opportunity to share together with the land of the living. Tonight we'll be reviewing the book Two Kinds of Righteousness. Two Kinds of Righteousness by E. W. Kenyon. I think this should be his first book I'm reading and reviewing. I don't think I've ever read one of Kenyon's books before. And it's quite um, interesting, eye-opening. And Incidentally, if I'm permitted to use that, this book is like a follow-up of Kenneth Hagin's book Zoe and Grain of Spirituality. If you read, if you've read Grain of Spirituality by Kenneth Hagin and Zoe by Kenneth Hagin, this book will make more meaning. Yeah, will more meaning for you. Some terms used here will be clearly understood. You read this book, this uh, books I've mentioned, so it's wonderful. I've been read growing up spiritually and doing coming to read this is just God actually has some things to us. So we'll be going over the following things the reason why man as he is, why we have failed, revelation of righteousness. Study in sin consciousness and what righteousness means. I pray as we go over this, God will reveal Himself in His Word to us. In Jesus' name. So we're man as He is. So we're starting about from there. Man as He is. And uh, they also make us understand that man has no approach to God sense of condemnation, you know, as giving to man an inferiority complex. And this robs him of faith in four ways. It robs him of faith in himself, faith in man generally, faith in God, and faith in God's word. So man has a highly developed sin consciousness. You see what sin consciousness is the man has a highly developed sin consciousness and spirit inferiority complex. The sense of, you know, unworthiness that dominates him. So man is dubbed rude. This is man as he is. Now, we'll go over to why we are filled. Can you make it clearly? It's stated today that the church has left objects and pursuit shadows instead yeah that's that's my own um, sentence to paraphrase all that is said and that why we are filled because it's so true the church has been very strong in teaching man you know his needs of righteousness his weaknesses and inability to please god now the whole concept of redemption rest victory you know being overcomers Peace is painted, quote unquote, is quite painted to be gotten in the life after or when we get to heaven. And that there is actually nothing on this side except failure, misery, disappointment, and weakness. This is why we are filled. Yeah, the church has left what it actually wants to bring to our consciousness and has dwelled on. Yeah, so let's go through these scriptures 
you know that will help us understand that what our uh, preachers has you know consciously made us to uh, believe and rule us is actually God's intent. Okay, so the first scripture I'll be going over as um, given by Kenyon is Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Through Him who loved us. Okay, let's go back to Philippians 4. actually do not um, get to practice is that all things are passed away you know he said if any man becomes a new creation new not rejuvenated or rebranded new that means there is no past there is no history yes let's go back to the same Ephesians chapter 5 so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish so we see that actually the church has been too strong in teaching the need of righteousness weakness you know instead of the whole concept of redemption of race and of victory and of peace so 
if we marry all the writers explain to us in this heading why we have failed we see that a man cannot be in christ and have the devil's nature in him is either in the family of god or in the family of satan so a man cannot be in christ and yet be in the family of satan it is either in light or in darkness that's what can um, actually make clear in this whole um, episode why we are free so we'll go back to revelation of righteousness now righteousness according to the authorities the ability to stand in the presence of the father without the sense of guilt or inferiority agree with me that this has been manuscript just over a very long period of time but god has dealt with the sin problem in his son he has put sin away by the sacrificial death of jesus christ so god has made it possible on legal grounds you know for man who is spiritually dead in union with satan to become a new creation by receiving the very nature in the life of God. Remember I said clearly that if you've read those books, you understand these things will be easier. Now the life in nature of God is righteousness. So automatically a man, you know, having received Christ becomes righteousness of God in Christ. I pray that the Lord brings uh, to our understanding these things and interpret his words in the very best way in this time. My eyes will clearly open to see on certain things at this stage. Now, overcoming sin consciousness is you know, understanding and taking advantage of the fact that the born again man has the righteousness of God. That the born again man has the righteousness of God. Okay, so we'll go over to study in sin consciousness. Study in sin consciousness. Now, the term sin consciousness is what has held us bound. Yeah, I can say that what has held Christians bound. Being too conscious of uh, uh, sin or the guilt of sin has really held us bound. Not giving us the you know full confidence of standing before God, leaving us with this guilt and inferiority. So, according to this book, there are two kinds of sin consciousness. The first one is the man who has never been born again, while the other is the undeveloped believer, one who has never grown beyond the stage of babyhood. So, God's cure, yeah, God's cure for sin consciousness. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 1, 13 to 14. It is who delivered us out of the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Let's take note of that. Who delivered us out of the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have our redemption, the remission of our sins. Now, from Colossians 1, 13 to 14, the author deduced four facts. The first is, he 
redeemed us. Talking about God, now God redeemed us. Two, He recreates us. The first one is He redeems us. He recreates us. Number three, He delivers us out of Satan's authority. He delivers us out of Satan's authority. Now, He remits all, not some. He remits all we have ever done. So, this should take care of our past guilt. Now, having the consciousness of this scripture, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, is God's cure for sin consciousness. Okay. So, according to the author, what is righteousness? That means what righteousness means. Now, the writer points out six things that righteousness gives us as we reveal in Christ's finished work on the cross of Calvary. So, what righteousness means, he pointed out six things that I already said. Number one is our standing is restored. That standing we lost at the fall of man is restored. The second is fellowship is restored. Remember that man lost fellowship with God, having been sent out of the Garden of Eden. So, what this righteousness does for is that fellowship is restored. The third is that faith is restored. Faith is restored. Number four is that peace is restored. So, the whole concept of having um, peace in the life beyond is um, far from the truth, as you see when we go down this book. The next is freedom is restored. Freedom is restored. And the sixth one, which I would like to dwell on, is sonship is given. I really got to understand this concept because of a movie that trended in the early 2000s. My house here. Now, the major character of the movie was actually working for his family. He gave his best and all as an house aide. Now, he was given a whole lot of um, privileges, as I can see, and um, he was loved for his impact in the family, you know, being able to change the son of the family. Responsible man, but on realization that this boy is the son of the of the father of the family, the the long lost son. You know, so many things changed. For example, the funny one, the the chair he, he, he was um, forbidden to sit on. I think he, he actually that was, that was the first thing he actually went to sit on. Now, this this indicates that. He has, he has come to the consciousness of the fact that he is not an household, he is not a servant, but a son of the family. Now, this relates to us as Christians. There's many privileges of just like that young man that we are harnessing, you know, but there, there, there is much more. There is much more. We will, we will do for ourselves or we will maximize if we actually understand that we are not servants 
we are sons of God. So that's the intent of this very nature of God's righteousness. And the last thing, sonship is given. You know. part of the book review we looked at the reason why man as he is why we have failed revelation of righteousness study in sin consciousness and what righteousness means that's what we went over last week and for this week's review in the second part we're going over how God made us righteous. God Himself, our righteousness, righteousness legally ours, righteousness restored, rediscovery of Paul's episodes, true conception of God, fellowship through righteousness, righteousness by faith, righteousness under the covenant, and Righteousness makes us masters of evil. That's the much we're doing in this second part of the book review. Okay, so how God makes us righteous? The right uh, under this subtopic um, made reference to the book of Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one, which says. Him who knew no sin, God made to be seen with our sin. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, Him who knew no sin, God made to be seen with our sin. So here, God did a substitution reaction. Now, the reactants being Christ, his supreme deity, and our iniquities. So the reactants here are iniquities and Christ. Now, because he's the deity, he could pay this penalty. Leviticus 17 talks about um, the word atonement, then under the law, you know, the word, the, that word atone, you know, means to cover according to the definition by the author. author. So in the book of Leviticus, the law of chapter 17, if we go through the law of chapter 17, of the book of Leviticus, we'll see how sins will be atoned for then under the law. Now, this is not the case here. God made us righteous by or with the blood of Jesus. Now, this blood cleanses, it doesn't atone. There's a vast different difference between uh, a blood cleansing and a blood atoning. I got to understand this when the writer made an exposition. I referred also to the whole book of the whole chapter uh, 17 of the book of Leviticus. 
you go through it you see how the blood of bulls and of turtle doves and of lambs were atoning for sins of men but this blood of jesus that was paid once and for all for the remission of our sins cleanses not covers atone means covers now this blood of jesus cleanses it does not cover the sin and um, i think it's better for something to be cleaned than for something to be covered it's better that the mess is cleansed totally than covered hallelujah so this is how god made us righteous he made us righteous through substitution okay we're going next to restoring lost righteousness restoring lost righteousness now according to the writer it does not make any difference how uh, wicked a man is if he takes christ as a savior and lord god makes him a new creation now that this this um two words new creation was so much emphasized in this book and i i i got to understand or i am i'm able to move along because of the exposition that our brother gave to it when i was in south africa i got to really understand i got to really understand these words more you know we have just been quoting several readers five something but i really got the meaning exposed i was like wow and since then i have really uh, got to understand the meaning of that word new creation now that man becomes the righteousness of God in Christ. Remember that the writer says righteousness, uh, righteousness, righteousness means you know going to God without a sense of guilt. Now righteousness becomes a living reality in this man. So when we are ministering to people, let's um, make it clear that it does not make any difference how wicked that person is. So righteousness actually can be um, given to that person when he accepts Christ because he becomes a new recreation. Re- There's no track record of his sins anymore. Second Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things." are become new. Verse 18 says, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, who hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 of the same second Corinthians chapter 5 says, The way that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as through God did as though God did beseech you by us. I'll go by that again. Verse 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you for us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Verse 21, the last verse says, for he had made him, that's Christ, he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made righteousness of God in him. The emphasis is on verse 18, sorry, verse 17, those words, new creature. Now, like we, like we earlier said, as portrayed by the uh, author of this book, Kenyon says he's a new creation. 
not a rebranded creature, refurbished creature, a new creature. He has no history, he has no past, he has no track records of his sin. Now, um, the, the another emphasis there was the word reconciling. So, when God, um, uh, what's God? When God restores, or when a man becomes new in Christ, God reconciles. So the word righteousness and uh, reconciliation in this regards are synonymous. Hallelujah! I pray God. I pray God. Um, gives us the understanding of his word. Now we're going over the righteous man. The righteous man. The book of James chapter 5 verse 16 says that the prayer of the righteous man, the righteous man availed much. The, the prayer of the righteous availed much. James chapter 5 verse 16. So, knowing that you have been made righteous, there's no limits to prayer life according to Kenyon. Now, Remember his own definition of righteousness that that righteous that the righteous man is one who acts fearlessly, you know, he confesses boldly without guilt. Now, this actually is the secret of victory. So, that righteous man is, is one who is able to act fearlessly, confess boldly, and this is actually gotten or strengthened in the place of prayer okay let's go over to god himself our righteousness god himself our righteousness okay remember romans chapter 3 verse 21 to 22 that was made reverse before say okay romans chapter 3 verse 21 to 22 says but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God had come to light, being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God on the ground of faith in Christ Jesus. Now, it is on this ground, the ground of faith in Christ Jesus, that we have the ability to stand in God's presence. Remember Kenyon's definition of righteousness. That righteousness means the ability to stand in God's presence without a sense of guilt, condemnation, or uh, inferiority. So, it is on this ground of faith. Remember, we are reviewing God Himself and righteousness. So, it is on this ground of faith in Christ Jesus that we have the ability to stand in God's presence. Meaning, God Himself is our righteousness. Okay, let's go over some facts about righteousness. The first fact I was able to deduce from all he wrote down is that God's divine nature is righteousness. So become righteous with his nature, his own righteousness. Remember when we receive the life of God, God's very own life, God's very nature, the abundant life's way. Now, this God nature, God's nature is actually righteousness. So, we become righteous with this very nature that's God's righteousness. The second factor is also the Jesus. There's not uh, only a perfect righteousness, but a perfect reconciliation. Remember, he, 
tries to um, address that under restoring us righteousness that there's so much um, similarity between the word reconciliation and righteousness. So, in this righteousness, the second factor is that in this righteousness we're talking about, there's not only perfect righteousness but perfect reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Reconciliation talks about fellowship. So, when we are saying there's not only perfect righteousness or perfect reconciliation, we are saying there's not only a perfect righteousness but a perfect fellowship. When go back to Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 19, we'll get that. We've gone through that before. Now, the third fact is that the new creation comes with righteousness and reconciliation, which is maintained through the word and intercession. The new creation comes with righteousness and reconciliation, which is maintained. Having something is um, wanting and maintaining it is another thing. So this righteousness is maintained through the word and intercession. Now the, fo- the fourth fact about righteousness is that righteousness gives us the right to use the name of Jesus as sons and daughters. Remember that we talked about the privilege of a son and the privilege of a servant. Uh, restrictions of a servant so there's an extent to which the servant can actually use one's name but as sons and daughters righteousness gives us that right to use the name of Jesus the fifth fact here is that believers should continually witness and confess his righteousness and fellowship in Christ okay the next one we're going over is righteousness legally ours I think the man has uh, Kenyan has actually done justice to this in um, in his other chapters. When I went through this, I saw that it was just for that buttressing what he has said. So here, righteousness is legally has having confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We become the righteousness of God in Christ. It is not something we have to pay an extra uh, sacrifice or buy or uh, pay one kind of penalty for. This righteousness is legally as once we've confessed um, Jesus and have allowed him to be our Lord and Savior. So we automatically and um, legally have this righteousness of God in Christ. So let's look at how God deals with sin problem. Remember when we were starting this book review in the first part. We talked about sin consciousness. So here, can you give an exposition of how God deals with sin problem? Now, at conversion, the new creation has no sin. If you can, if you can um, digest that scripture, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen to twenty-one, I think you would have understood this book eighty percent. Because he's always leaning emphasis on that. At conversion, according to the book of Second Corinthians chapter five and seventeen, this the new creation has no sin. He's a new creation, just like a baby that is born. There is no past. There is no um, record of what he has done before. Someone giving his life to Christ is not rebranded or rejuvenated or refurbished or painted or you know um, like what they do in. Uh, chemistry, these are usual utensils where the electroplate and everything is under. That's not the case here. A, a new man in Christ is 
as a newborn baby spiritually there is no past there is no in fact he has no sin so forgiveness belongs to the believer why remission you know remission belongs to the sinner the writer can you know, try to distinguish what forgiveness means and what remission means okay and he made his point clear using the book of first john chapter 1 verse 9 that says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness now according to his exposition this was written to the saved man is how god deals with sin problem because um, reading this book might my, my, uh, start putting some questions through some of us minds that conversion and equation has no sin, really. So, when you are a believer, you cannot sin, or this explains the whole concept. First John chapter 1, verse 9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, as he said that this scripture is actually meant for a saved man. So with this, God has dealt with the same problem. That paraventure, this new creation falls into um, sin. Let's use, let's put it that way now. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. This is how God deals with the problem of sin. So that even after conversion, that sin consciousness should have been dealt with. Okay, let's look at the new creature. Now, when witnessing this importance that we um, we let our listeners understand that God takes the sinner as he is. That no matter how deep in sin he has gone, you know, the new birth will straighten him out. You know, we've had um, instances, especially there when I was in Sapley, in the shells for evangelism. I think there was a point we got to one area, and uh, some guys we met in the bakery were like, <laughs> you know, we understand. God, no, you know what I don't do for this life. You know what I don't do. I don't really know where they go and I have fire so I can cruise all the cruise anything I can do because yeah, I don't go they God no go feel forgive me no need and I can't corrupt the church you know and our team that was making him understand that no matter no matter how deep his sin has gone that the new birth you know will straight will straighten him out so I think this is an issue we should actually tackle when witnessing. The writer gave a whole lot of exposition on this. So, um, in the new creation, or the new creation doesn't have hope, doesn't have hope of life. Let's get that. I was confused at first when I read it. Like, the new creation doesn't have hope of life. But I actually understood it later when he said, the new creation doesn't have hope of life. Does not have hope of life. But he has life actually. Like he has actually received eternal life, which is the very nature 
of God. So let's get that clear. The new creation doesn't have hope of life. The new creation actually has received eternal life, which is the very nature of God himself. Okay? Let's go over righteousness restored. Now, remember, universal sin consciousness is the parent of all the religions in the world, according to the author, and I totally agree with him. That universal sin consciousness is the parent of all religions in the world today. But God has provided a redemption that will take away sin consciousness and permit man to come into his presence without guilt. Let's also remember the definition of righteousness that Kenyon gave. Okay. Now, God has provided a redemption that will take away sin consciousness and permit man and permit man to come into his presence without guilt. So we can rephrase this as God has provided a redemption that will take away sin consciousness and permit man or and give man righteousness because if this is permitting man to come to his presence without guilt this is righteousness okay now the next one we'll be looking at is rediscovery of Paul's episodes now when the writer was going through this and I begin to understand the title of this book two kinds of righteousness now the great major thing the great major thing of false episodes is the new righteousness in contrast to the old righteousness that's righteousness under the law and the new righteousness that was the whole um that was the major theme of Paul's episodes. Now, I I I, I drafted also uh, out some things when the writer was doing his comparison and when he was contrasting. Now, I wrote out the new righteousness versus the old righteousness, and according to his analysis, the new righteousness is by grace, while the old righteousness was by works. Now, the second one I got was that this new righteousness is unlimited while the old was limited. I really encourage us to go through this book. You know, there's a whole lot more to um, get and understand by yourself as the Holy Spirit interprets while you read than just um, waiting for one review. There's a whole lot to grab from the book. It's a whole exposition, a lot of exposition the guy gave. So the third one I was able to get from that is that God gave man the standing of his son in the new righteousness. Remember, I said that I began to understand what the title of this book actually means, two kinds of righteousness. And now I, I got to understand it here. The new in the new righteousness, God gave man the standing of his son, unlike in the whole type of righteousness. Where God gave man the standing of a servant. So which is better? The new or the old? 
name and answer is menu doing about true conception of God. Now, sin consciousness has given us a wrong picture of God. According to the author, it has made us uh, see God as one holy, just, and unapproachable being who is always alert to discover our sins and condemn us. But that is not true. The true conception of God is he is a loving father that we can approach anytime, any day, anywhere. With, with this certainty that we have audience. That we have audience. Now there are so many scriptures that he he referred to to portray this um, point. But I want to draw our attention to John chapter 16, verse 27. I love the word there. For the Father Himself loved you. So our uh, God is not just one uh, holy, just, scary being that is waiting to pick out your your mistakes and just condemn you. No, our God is loving, is approachable, is a Father, is willing to listen and know to give us audience anytime. And anywhere, there is no one particular place, unlike in the law, unlike in the time of the law, where you have to go to the holy of holies, you know, to commune with God, to communicate with God. In this dispensation, this era of grace, anywhere, anywhere on the road, in your bedroom, anywhere in church, you can, as you can, uh, uh, assess your father, and is ready to give audience. He always gives audience. Okay, let's go back. Fellowship through righteousness. Fellowship through righteousness. Here, K.W. Kenyon pointed out five types of fellowship. Yeah, I, I was able to draft out five fellowship. And the first one here I got was fellowship with the Father. Fellowship with the Father. The second one was fellowship with the Son. The third, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The fourth, fellowship with the Word, which maintains all others. And the fifth, fellowship with one another. Very vital. It sharpens and strengthens just like what we're doing. Now, according to Kenyon, the most vital and the one that means the most to us is fellowship with the Word. Yeah, and if you ask me why, I think my answer will be for the purpose of maintenance. Because in previous chapters, he said it's one thing to get something, and another thing to maintain it. So it's fellowship with the Word that will actually maintain fellowship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and fellowship with one another. I think that's why he pointed out fellowship with the Word as the most vital fellowship. Okay, so we're going to fellowship by faith. Under fellowship by faith, we see that righteousness doesn't um, just come by praying in certain hours, confessing all your sins, making restitution, and all of that. Righteousness doesn't come by our works. Remember, Paul gave it this thing about it. Righteousness doesn't come by our works, but by Christ. By Christ's works. Righteousness doesn't come by our works, but by Christ's works. So, our righteousness is is um 
harnessed by our faith in Christ's works. I think that's um, a kind of summary under that aspect, righteousness by faith. So, if we are not picking anything under that part, we should understand that righteousness, this new type of righteousness, does not come by our works, but by Christ's works. Okay? So, let's go over righteousness under the covenant. Righteousness under the covenant. Yeah. I think um, this also known as limited righteousness. This righteousness under the covenant is different from the one we are operating now. Righteousness under the covenant was righteousness under the law. The one we are operating now is righteousness under faith. So, righteousness under the law was was limited as in the lives of Abraham and of Moses. You know, there were certain uh, things they had to perform to assess God's work. There were certain, um, the, uh, you know, there were certain, there were certain sacrifices they had to make, you know, to commune with God and all of that. So righteousness under the covenant is not the one that Kenyon desires for us or is trying to expose to us. Righteousness under the uh, righteousness under the covenant was limited. Was limited, but this new righteousness under faith is unlimited, and that's what we should. Um, that's what we should groom. That's what we should get to understand because understanding is understanding this exposition is what will liberate us from sin consciousness and. Um, gives us that freedom and that um, what's the word freedom and boldness yeah to assess our father so what limits are using our righteousness number one sin consciousness yes what limits using our righteousness number one is sin consciousness and this as um, being a fault from the pulpit, like this, these are the, our clergymen, our pastors, our spiritual leaders in Christian faith has contributed a whole lot to this. They point out your sin, and um, they point out um, how God cannot behold sin, how it's just a lot to pick out your mistakes and all that. So over the years, we've been so conscious of sin. And this is, for me, um, about 50-60% of what limits our using our righteousness. The second one is fear and unbelief on the throne. Fear and unbelief on the throne. These are what limits our using our righteousness. The last thing we're going to be talking about is righteousness makes us masters of evil. At first, when I saw this heading, Righteousness makes us masters of evil. Like really, I I I now got to understand that um, that aiding when I actually read through. I just smiled. You know, literally, when we says we are ma- someone a master of something, like he's a guru in that thing, he can do it well. 
if this one is a master in English or someone is a master in a particular business, it means that that person knows all and can do it at any time. Has excelled in it. But that's not the case here. Righteousness makes us masters of evil means righteousness makes us dominate evil. Yeah, righteousness makes us dominate evil. Righteousness makes us dominate evil forces, evil circumstances. We become masters because Christ is our master and is working through us. Remember that this righteousness we possess is not by our words. It's the life of God himself that we received that we received at the new birth so we receive the life of God himself which is the righteousness I pray God I pray God opens our hearts of understanding to understand these mysteries so this righteousness makes us masters because Christ is our master and is working through us I think we just um, went through 10 different topics and we have um, I think 5 more topics to go I pray that the Lord will um, illuminate his word in us in Jesus name